Hello, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of Soundstage Access, a podcast that brings you in-depth to discuss many of the complex, beautiful, and creative sides of filmmaking. I'm your host, Brando Benetton, and my guest this week is Alessandra Querzola, a fellow Italian and set decorator whose work includes Avengers Age of Ultron, Skyfall, and Blade Runner 2049, for which she received her first Oscar nomination last year. In our conversation, we discuss a wide range of topics, among them how her early times as a student in Venice shaped her artistic sensibility, her introduction into the Bond franchise, and the challenges of bringing the world of Blade Runner to life when shooting the movie in Budapest. So without further ado, let's go to our conversation. Alessandra, thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to talk to you, not only because, like myself, you're from Italy, but also because you worked on so many great projects, which we're going to be talking about. Uh, but before I do that, I want to go back to ask you about your Italian roots and the way you felt that influenced your work over the years. So you started out in Trieste, which people should know is a beautiful city in Italy. And then you started at, at the Fine Arts Academy in Venice. So I wanted to ask you about your time there from an artistic and a personal standpoint. What memories of that early period in your life do you, do you cherish? And what do you think these cities taught you about art in general? Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm deeply, um, I'm deeply uh, uh, attached to my roots. I mean, I'm still uh, working with some principle based on what I've learned in the early years. Like I do remember when I was 14 in Trieste, we, we had this, I was attending this wonderful Istituto d'Arte per la Decorazione della Nave dell'Interno, which actually was, you know, to design in ships and vessels interiors. But anyway, that was a, a school that was created after the early occupation in Trieste. And uh, in that particular moment, Trieste was living a great freedom atmosphere and all the best artists from the region were our teachers. And I've been very lucky for that. And the same thing happened when I went to Venice. We had the most prestigious maestro, like Emilio Vedova. And uh, I had the privilege to touch very closely this atmosphere. Now, for instance, the Academy of Art in Venice, I think it counts 1,200 of students. When I was attending there, we were 200. So it was a big difference. Let's start discussing specific projects you are part of. Because after the early experience you had in theater, you began working on films at the end of the 80s. But, you know, one of your very first and largest film experiences was working on Gangs of New York on the back lot of, of Cinecittà Studios in 2001, where you were coordinating the props department. And, and I was reading how this experience taught you a lot on a technical level, what it meant to maybe to fabricate props, like a weapon made out of fiberglass or rubber or metal. So how was working with a production designer like Dante Ferretti And, and what was it like to see entire blocks of 1850s New York reconstructed in a studio in Rome? Yes, my experience on, with Gangs of New York was fascinating because I never approached the prop so, you know, closely. I was um, introduced to all these weaponaries, all these uh, objects that requires a very long proceeding to be finalized according to what are the 
actors requirements and i never and i i was never before that in this position in my with with my profession and so it was very specific and very special and uh was kind of filling a gap which I really uh, suggest everybody to fill in as I did. Now, I know all the techniques for the replicas, all the techniques like special props making, and it was very, very, very useful. I think it's interesting because I was going to ask you, how did you start it with, with props and you transition into set decorating? Was there a link between the two? I started to work in costume uh, because I had a, a wonderful teacher and she was supervising the costume in the Arena di Verona. And then um, I'd been in that department for six, seven years. Uh, my last job was on the Young Indie Chronicles and I was this, you know, supervising uh, costume department. But then um, I had a change in my life. And uh, I've been asked to go back to my first skills, which was scenographia, which was specially set decorating. And this uh, experience with Gangs of New York was just uh, a casualty. I will never ever choose to follow props department. It was just that they were short of local person and I was there. Allow me to skip 10 years ahead in time uh, to talk about your work on another great project, and that is Skyfall, which I believe was one of your last credits as an assistant set decorator before moving on to the main set decoration for other films. And the Bond series takes pride in shooting all over the world. Constantly, they're moving from location to location. Um, And because you also worked on 2008's Quantum of Solace, I was wondering if you could tell us how you first entered the Bond franchise, if you could talk about your relationship with uh, Anna Pinock, uh, who was a Skyfall set decorator at the time. And what did you learn on Skyfall from, from seeing how Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, would light and shoot the sets you guys created? Well, first of all, I've been always decorating myself since the beginning. But of course, because uh, Italy sometimes leaves a lack of uh, business in the industry, sometimes, you know, you get two or three years of very low, you know, energy business in Italy. So... I was open to any other experience abroad. And then through the years, I worked with Anna Pinock many times, especially because the Italian crew um, was already going in places like Morocco, in places like Russia, to support the English and the American crews there. Because a special skills of the Italian crews is to be creative in a different way than the in than the English culture. We we have been very often the link in between culture, the local culture like the Moroccans and the English. And I've been working in Morocco many, many times and many, many years. So I kept doing this. I've been the outpost in many international productions many times. Like when I was doing the project with Michael Mann, I was sent in Hong Kong for months. This is why I've been introduced to the Bond crew. I was very often sent over to China, to Shanghai, to Turkey, to, you know, to Panama. Because I, I had exactly that experience, you know, dealing with the local problems, dealing with the, with the local furniture, ordering containers to, to make sure that everything is done before the, the crew comes. Allow me 
to ask you about your creative process for a moment. Once again, uh, I'm going to share a beautiful quote of yours. Quote, set decorating is like painting. You do it with confidence because you know you're on the same wavelength with the director, the production designer, and the cinematographer, and because you've done your prep work. That's my moment. Nobody can dampen my enthusiasm when I'm decorating a set. Close quote. So it's it's obviously very different. I can imagine your work from a movie to another movie, but could you talk about your process when you begin pre-production on a film? How do you manage the resources and the team you have and how do you scout to find the right elements to, to dress a set? Do you, do you do most of your shopping online or do you go personally from store to store? Oh, essentially it's a bit of both. But going back to how you start prepping, of course the research is fundamental because you, you get all the information like what there was at that time, especially if it's a period piece. But also, it's, uh, I think that looking at research, at photos, and uh, also reading around is not only looking at pictures, but for instance, reading the shopping list of Isabella d'Este when she was uh, making up big parties, for instance. This is very enlightening because you get a, a perfect idea of the availability of goods and the relationship with human and object was at that time. And that's, you know, the main thing, because all this uh, illustration, all this new, all this information gets to your subconscious. And personally, I never stop to look at research. I never stop to look at pictures when I work. Uh, of course, it will sound ridiculous, but I fall asleep with the iPad looking at photos. You know, I have a terrible voracity for uh, archives because it's now it's everything is online. And I do believe that this helped me to reach the point when finally I've sort out all the problems with the, with the directors, with the DOPs, all the lights has been rigged in the proper way. And in that moment, all this information comes up. And I know how, you know, I would have been sitting in a settecento chair or how I would feel in a sidebar future like Blade Runner. It's very, it's, I know it's ridiculous, but it's very personal also, you know. I can't tell my boys how, where to put the furniture. I need to do it with them. I need to move the, the tables, you know, because it's a terrible balance with, you know, with emptiness and, uh, and volumes. And that's it's just your emotion can tell you which is the right move. As well as choosing the objects, of course, there are many items, there are many pieces of furniture that you need to agree in, in advance with the director, with the production designer, or even with the actors. You know, norm, normally there is this famous sentence, if you have an actor, you need to give him a chair, which means that the chair needs to be comfortable, need to be the right type, need to be the right height but also needs to be the right one. So sometimes you get difficult tasks, but certainly what works over everything is your, your intuit. Because if you don't find the right thing, means that you haven't found it yet. And you have simply to keep searching. And when you find the right object, it tells you, is, is the right object that says, okay, this, this is the right thing, just pick me up. And it's quite simple, you know, through the years when you get confidence, then you can rely on your sensibility. I love it. I love how you approach everything from a place of emotion and how the sets that you design are always an extension of, of story and character. Just, a, you know, a, side, a sidebar comment. 
I've discovered this because I went times ago to some lessons in the university from Sebastiano Vassali, which is a great writer that you know uh, died a few years ago, and he was in these lessons were specifically on the period Romans. Italian period Romans and what it means a period piece in terms of romance or in terms of novels or in terms of writing. And funny enough, his approach to the period piece was the same that I think that everybody needs to have on a period movie. It's impossible to get it right because the history uh, is designed by our mind, is not history is something that we cannot experience before. So there will be always, you know, and um, a big lack of information. So the only thing you can do is try to leave that time, is try to, uh, you know, to, to feel exactly how your life would have been, you know, in the, you know, 1600. You need really to apply a total freedom using the same object and the same furniture. I don't know, it's very difficult to explain. I, I, I think I do understand what you're saying. Before we talk about Blade Runner, I wanted to ask about two movies that were released in 2015, and both were partially shot in Italy. We have The Man from Uncle, where you're recreating the Rome of the 1960s, and the second Avengers movie, Age of Ultron, for which you worked on all the sequences shot in, in Valle d'Aosta, which doubled for the Eastern European country of, of Sokovia. And in this case, I thought it was fascinating that, you know, to recreate this destructive earthquake, you had to fill the streets with the real rubble and they're handpicked and transported in 16 containers. It sounds like a lot of work. So could you briefly talk about working on these two projects one after the other? And, and what did you think once you got to see the finished films? Well, uh, that's um, a typical example of or the position I had in many projects. You suffer a bit because you're not doing the whole thing. But, uh, for instance, in with Age of Altons was very good because, as you said, was an Eastern um, environment recreated in Val d'Aosta. So it was a, a complete package, and I enjoyed a lot doing that. And by the time that I found out a special photographer from Belgium who has been traveling for four or five years, all, all Eastern um, countries, taking pictures of the locals in their kitchens and in their bedrooms. That was my guide for Age of Ultron, along with all those practical problems about the rubbles, the clean rubbles, because the problem was the clean rubbles. You can find rubbles everywhere. The rubble and the trash had to be clean for the actors. So that was the most difficult part. And the 16 containers, they were all itemized, like we had such a number of containers of old bricks, of modern bricks, of stones, of fine rubbles and all of that. So it was a kind of different dressing. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but how long does it take to dress a street, a full street full of rubble? You have to come in at least a couple days before? Do you have one day before? Well, it depends a lot about uh, how the location department and the production department organize all that. We've been literally occupying a small village. It was all us. And of course, the locals were also very helpful and very happy. But it took us, I think, a week to dress it because we had the container outside the little village. There was the streets were not wide enough to reach the sets with the normal trucks. 
So everything was in small Ape, three wheels, and it took really a lot. But we reinstated the old place in in two nights. I cut you off before. I don't know if you were going to talk about the man from Uncle or if you were going to say something else. Sorry for cutting you off. No, no, no. Man of Uncle was really a good fun. was a good fun because uh, a lot of times I found that every movie, along with this, the script, with lo- all of that, has got a, a, a very specific and peculiar atmosphere, you know. There are movies that are very serious and you're going to be very serious for months. There are movies that are very kind of stressful and you're going to be stressful for many months. And Men of Uncle was fun. It was such a fun atmosphere making it. And of course, everything you know started, starts from the top. And the atmosphere was really brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Let's talk about Blade Runner 2049 for what you received your... Uh, first Academy Award nomination. So congratulations for that. Um, the sequel was shot at Budapest Origo Film Studios between July and November 2016. So b- before diving into specific sequences, I think now is a good point to ask you about your creative relationship with uh, production designer Dennis Gastner. And I think it's important for people to un- understand, you know, for anyone outside of the business, what is the relationship between a production designer and an art director and a set decorator? Um, do you feel if we talk about Dennis and your work together, does it help the fact that you get to share a dialogue over the years and you work on multiple movies? So how has this dialogue changed between the first day on your first movie together and the last day on a movie like Blade Runner? Well, of course, I was paying an an awful lot, lot of respect to Dennis. The first time I met him, he was in Panama. And what is really fascinating and great of Dennis Gastner is that he takes you through the creative process. He's very open to discussions. He gives you the, the right hint for your research. And it's wonderful working with him. It's really fantastic. Of course, with Blade Runner, the amount of work was much larger. And also, I've started very early in production, so I had the, the privilege to follow all the different stages of the creation of the type of work that they wanted. Denis and Roger, they, they were still in Canada, finishing off arrival. And I was in Rome, Dennis was in Los Angeles, and we were all exchanging photos, moods, suggestions, and that was really great because I didn't know much at the time. I wasn't even allowed to read the script because it was too early. But still, I've been feeded every day with all the um, emotions and, and all the moods that were going through. And this was really, really so helpful to start my process when I was when I arrived in Budapest a little bit later. So, no, it wasn't. A surprise working with Dennis because I know how he used to interact and his approach to the problems. Hungary was difficult because there wasn't so much in terms of uh, goods, in, in terms of furniture, in terms of materials, because I think that Hungary is still a little bit suffering from being apart from the European market for such a long time. So, yes, I did a lot of work on online. If someone would have told me when I was leaving to be the first, the first day, oh, you're going to do this movie online, I would have said, you're joking, it's not possible, it won't be possible. 
and this is what, what happened. Normally, I do like both of it because I need to go looking for things for inspirational and for, you know, see if some objects come up and suggest me anything. But sometimes you, you can't do it. And also, you know, the global situation is changing. You know, in Europe, it's opening a big storage of 5,000 square meters of furniture because A, there is not so much business. Uh, second, it's a cost that is not necessary if you put everything online. So a good thing about that 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 happens in Blade Runner, I really worked out my eye on understanding on the screen what the armchairs look like. But it was kind of scary, you know. It, it's been really scary because it was a kind of unknown system to me. But that's what I want to talk to you about. But one set specifically I wanted to analyze is the Las Vegas casino sequence where uh, Ryan Gosling's character finds Harrison Ford's character. And while the exterior entrance uh, among, you know, the orange dust, that was built on a stage, but you shot the interiors in a, in a stock exchange palace in Budapest, which is currently an abandoned building. Uh, just so people understand the variety of complexity of what is, is required you know, for a single sequence in the film, you used land from Italy, materials from Holland, you dressed a lot of the space with original furniture, which you had to fly in from the US, because from my understanding, the proportions wouldn't have matched. And that is just one part of, of what you have to worry about. So let me ask you about when you first stepped into the empty space, how did the architecture inspire you? And how did you maximize all the resources you needed to put in the set for a sequence like this? Yeah, well, all the Vegas sets were in different places and also they were totally different one from another. Like, yes, we've been shooting in the old MTV building, which could support a certain amount of Vegas look because it was really, um, um, the architecture was really Eastern, uh, uh, early century, and you you couldn't really escape from that atmosphere. So we preferred to follow to follow what the architecture was suggesting. And therefore I had a lot of, you know, period furniture from Italy. But for instance, all the stools for the casino room, you know, the high stool, we flew by from US. We paid them $15, they were fantastic, but we put on top of each one $60 just for shipping. But we couldn't do it in a different way because you do need, you know, the original, as I said, as you said, proportion, and bits, you can't fake it. And then, yes, and then the third part of it was Arizona Ford penthouse. That was very, you know, intriguing and very uh, special set. I started to work on it very early in prep time. I gave myself a lot of time to understand how it would have been. But then when the time comes to, to dress, I simply followed one of the suggestions from Dennis Gassner that was uh, just put a sofa on a diagonal because that increased the tension in any set and magically everything came around. And this suggestion, just, oh no, put a, put a sofa on a, on a diagonal has been, you know, the key to dress the whole thing. Well, it's fascinating because, you know, two Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, and Denis Villeneuve, the director, spoke about brutalism as a concept and a source of inspiration for the film. Uh, you were initially scheduled to shoot this movie in London. And uh, for my understanding, you explored 
uh, brutalism and the inspiration of the architecture there. And then you move to Budapest. But um, you discussed the rooftop sets, you know, with real-time using of miniatures in the background as one of your favorite sets to dress because you feel it really expressed this concept of brutalism the most, you know, with the rain and the fog on top of the city. Could you elaborate on that concept for a moment? Yes, it indeed was the first word that starts flying around. But that was our start point. The brutalism, um, I think, is revealed in how essential we have been trying to be. And especially you find this idea in case of apartment. I know it's a kind of echoing sometimes the fifth element. But the brutalism concept was nothing ornate, nothing overdressed, but overstyled. Our danger was to be creating an environment where the future would have been designed totally, whether our future was simply the idea of a different use of normal objects, thinking of how stylish is are the sets and how in in the same way they are very real and very grounded. That's the kind of brutalism that's at the end. Yeah, so... Allow me to begin wrapping things up by asking you about new projects that you're working on right now. Uh, And I think listeners would be very excited to hear about those. But I also wanted to ask you about uh, the kidnapping of Edgar Mortara, which was going to be Spielberg's next film. And it was going to be shooting in, in Bologna, from my understanding. They put the project on hiatus because they couldn't really find the right casting decision. Uh, But I know you were involved in that. So could you talk about how far into the pre-production process you were and what other projects could people expect from you coming up? Of course, the project folded where I found the perfect furniture. That wasn't that easy because 1850, 1860 in Italy, well, in Italy and everywhere in the world, was a total transition moment where you go from Luigi Filippo to the more elaborate 1880 style, eclectismo and all of that. And one of my favorite places to shop is, of course, Veneto. And because, um, for instance, when I did with Anna Pinocchio Casanova, we were shopping a lot in Veneto. So uh, in Montagnana Este, which is northern Padova, uh, there is a wonderful man which is two meters high. And all his life he's been dealing and collecting big furniture. My big, I mean, he has run of 10 tables of four meters each from the countryside and all that and he had this perfect furniture and of course as soon as we got back with my assistant full of you know photos and things and I bang and change that okay folded but it was really exciting because the point of view of that pope I felt was a really contemporary story and uh, I'm very sorry that it, it's not happening yet I've been in touch with the production designer in January he said mm, not not this year Yeah, there might be other stuff coming up, but I know it sounds like, you know, he's, you know, Spielberg is very passionate about it. I know a lot of friends who worked usually as, as, you know, uh, production assistants or or grips and they're excited about it. It's going to happen. I like how you say it didn't happen yet. I know you're working on a series, but I don't know if we can talk about that yet. Well, I think so. We are uh, five weeks from shooting. Uh, It's the new George Clooney project. I'm enjoying a lot. Um, it's based on the novel Catch-22. 
and Mike Nichols did a did a, a, a movie in nineteen seventies. And personally, I like this idea because I work with Mike Nichols twice, and he's such a wonderful person, wonderful gentleman, and a fantastic director to deal with. I did my first uh, work with him was um, Angels of New York, and the second one was uh, Charlie Wilson's in Morocco. And I loved all his group of his producers and stuff. So it's a big fun, you know, to do this project that, you know, a good friend did ages ago. Anyway, it's all uh, World War Two. We are recreating the Allied forces in Italy, 1943, 1944, and uh, army base. We're going to be in the lovely Sardinia. It's one of the, it's a, it's a very uh, tiring work because the amount of dressing we are dragging from Italy to Sardinia is enormous. We have reached the eighth, so far in two weeks, we, we have downloaded eight Arctic tracks and uh, with all with army staff and tents and everything. It's not the first time I do an, a US army camp because I did a small project three years ago and it was uh, like Fallujah Marine Camp. And I, and we shot in, we created the, the camps and all that in Spain and it was really fun. So I'm looking forward to, to you know, Sardinia and to this project, which is less, you know, we won't put a lot of normal furniture, you know, we are dealing with bombs, with uh, crates, with control towers and all of that, which is sometimes is really ex- exciting, I think. It sounds like you have your hands full uh, with a lot of great projects. And again, Alessandro, I can't thank you enough so much for you know sharing time with us. This was fascinating. It really was. So again, thank you so much and good luck with all the coming projects. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much to Alessandra for taking the time to call in from Italy and to all of our listeners for supporting the podcast. If you enjoyed the episodes, please let us know by leaving a review and sharing your favorite ones on iTunes or SoundCloud so that we may continue to bring you month and month again conversations with some of Hollywood's top artists. Thanks again and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. I'm Brando Benetton and you have been listening to Soundstage Access.